Hello and welcome to the St Mark's podcast. Whether you regularly join us at church on Sundays or you're joining us for the very first time, we hope that this week's talk inspires you and draws you closer to Jesus. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Nay. Well, we already had some introduction, but uh, let me introduce uh, Bishop David, Bishop of Grimsby and Acting Bishop of Lincoln, who's going to come and speak to us um, this morning. He's other things as well, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but let's just pray for you, David, and uh, for ourselves as you come and speak. Heavenly Father, would you fill David with your Holy Spirit? Lord, as he speaks this morning, Lord, I pray that you'd give him a sense of discernment to see what you're doing. Lord, give him uh, boldness and courage as he speaks your word. And Lord, for each of us, we pray soften our hearts, ready to receive from you and respond with our lives. Amen. Thank you, you, Matt. It is really uh, good to be back on home turf again. I love that first verse from the reading that Nay has just brought to us. As Jesus passed on from there, he was in Capernaum. He was in his hometown. As Jesus passed on from there, says Matthew, he saw a man called Matthew, possibly the same man, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Follow me. And Matthew responds. He'd seen, he'd recognized enough in this man, Jesus, to leave everything that he was doing, the security of everything that he was doing, and to get behind him, to shape his life on him, to join in with the band of others who were following him in an adventure which would last a lifetime. That adventure of making this world a little bit more like the kind of world it was always intended to be. Like the kind of world we've already prayed for when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, here, now, on earth, as it is in heaven. He left and he followed. And he got involved in that adventure of enabling others like him, often rejected by the religious authorities, to know how loved and valued and special to God they were. It's everything we want for Eva, isn't it? As we baptise her today. For many people, they don't get it. 
Church, they say, is out of date. Church is irrelevant. Church has nothing to say to people like us in the 21st century. Way back in the 1980s. Matt, were you born in the 1980s? You were, just. (laughs) There was a programme called Yes, Prime Minister. And Sir Humphrey who was the main civil servant, tells Jim Hacker, who is the prime minister of that time, people don't go to church, but they feel better because it's there. I think times have changed. And whereas I think there was an element of truth in that, back when Matt was still wearing short trousers, times have changed. I'm not even sure that people are pleased that we're here anymore. Time has gone on. Internal wranglings about things that the rest of the world are not concerned about. Safeguarding scandals, which mean the church looks at us and goes, how can they say that and do that? And sometimes it's easy for people of faith like us to buy into the gloom, to look at the stats that are in the papers every now and again, and to wonder who's going to be the last person to switch off the lights whenever that happens. Somebody's done some work, and apparently for us Anglicans, it's before the Baptists, but after the Methodists. same article, had worked out what they call the R factor, the replication factor of the church. And apparently the replication factor of the church in this country at the moment for the Anglican church is 0.9. Now to have a replication factor less than one is good if you are a nasty little virus like we've just lived through. It is disastrous if we are the people who are charged with making known the good news of what Jesus has done for all people to the people of our communities. It is disastrous if we are the people who are charged, as we are, with being what somebody has called God's adverts in his world. God's adverts, breaking into his world, showing what God is like, showing what this world can be like, showing how loved each of us are. It's disastrous if we're the people who are charged as we are with inviting those people to receive the banquet, the rich banquet, that the God who, has loved, who loves them has for them. And that is the call of St. Mark's. That's why I'm delighted to be part of the St. Mark's family. Is why the diocese has chosen to invest rather a large sum of money and trust it to Matt.
so that all people, all people, can catch a glimpse of how loved they are. So that all people can catch a glimpse of the plan that God has for each one of them. How do we do it? How do we make that known? What causes churches to grow still today as they can? Three things. Three things that I'm saying to every single church that I visit Sunday by Sunday because I believe them so much and I don't believe there's any church that doesn't need to hear them. How can we enable that good news to be known? Answer, by having a deep confidence ourselves in who this Jesus is. This Jesus that we've been singing about in our worship songs. It starts with a deep confidence that this Jesus is still good news for all people. People who are like us. And people who are nothing like us at all. It starts with a deep confidence above anything else that we might believe. That this Jesus is still worth following. That he's still the one who helps people make sense of life. Life as it is now. Life as it will be. One of the conferences I went on when we were allowed to go on conferences before the pandemic talked about Jesus as being the wisest man who ever lived. And if that is all he was, he would still be worth following, wouldn't he? But he's actually so much more than that. He is the fulfillment of all that we read about in the Old Testament, which is what I'm supposed to be preaching on today, but chose not to. <laughs> read Psalm 22, Matt said. Read Isaiah 53. Look at that verse in Hosea that Jesus quotes at the end, or Matthew quotes Jesus saying at the end of that passage, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. There is Jesus living it out in front of people. He's the wisest man who ever lived. He's the man who fulfills everything that is written about him, about the Messiah in the Old Testament. And he's the one who dies on a cross for people like you and me. All that we're going to remember when we come to the table. How do churches grow? When we have a deep confidence that this Jesus is good news, not just for me, but for the people who I meet as I go about my daily life, about my uh, good news for my family, good news for uh, the people I live in the street with. Churches grow, secondly, when there's a deep discipleship based on this Jesus. 
when we allow this Jesus to come and touch our lives and make us more into the people he wants us to be. The God who loves us as we are but doesn't allow us to stay there is the kind of strap line. The Jesus who comes by his spirit to knock the rough edges off of us. A deep discipleship, which means that when we sing the songs, we actually take them to heart and live them out Monday to Friday throughout the week. That when we say the words of the liturgy, which even St. Mark's does occasionally, we mean them. We mean them. Do we always get it right? Answer? Not by a long way. Does it mean we'll sometimes be out of step with the world around us? Answer? Sometimes yes. Does that matter? Answer? No. We're called to be those who allow what we say we believe to change who we are. That was my story. I didn't grow up uh, in a Christian home. Uh, I was in a meeting of dancers and bishops uh, recently, and somebody asked us to put up our hands if we'd come to faith before the age of 18. There were only three of us in a meeting of 60 who didn't put up our hands. Interesting, wouldn't it, here? How many people would say they came to faith before the age of 18? How many people came to faith after that time? Yeah, you're, un you're unusual. You're really abnormal. <laughs> I came to faith through somebody called Chris. I was at university. Chris let me get close enough to him so that I could see what somebody who lived a life centred on Jesus looked like. Chris engaged with me. Chris then encouraged me to look at who this Jesus was for myself. Chris then equipped me when I realised that he was right and I was wrong, to live as a follower of Jesus. So what we call to do as individuals, engage with people, encourage people, equip people, is what we call to do as a church, to engage with people, to encourage people, to equip with people. How do churches grow? When there's a deep confidence in who this Jesus is. When there's a deep discipleship, which means we let this Jesus change our lives. I'm going to embarrass Johnny, my eldest son. I remember when we were church planting ourselves down in Bournemouth, after I'd preached a sermon once, him turning to me and saying, Dad, why don't they just do it? A deep discipleship, which allows this Jesus to change our lives. And then thirdly, a deep service of the communities we're here to serve. A man called John Wesley 
once of Epworth, where I was very recently, where I was on Monday, apparently said this, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as ever you can. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Make a difference where you are. Make the community you are part of better just because you are there. And we're supposed to do that as individuals, wherever God takes us to, on those most important days of the week, Monday to Saturday. And we're supposed to do it when we meet together, because there are things we can do together that we can't do by ourselves. We're supposed to look at the world around us and see the needs, and there are lots. We're supposed to look at ourselves and see the gifts that God has given to us. And in a group like this, that is huge. A huge array of gifts and talents and abilities. And then we're supposed to try and match those things up. Doing the things that we can, this is another one of my mantras, people have heard me say this before, Doing the things we can, not fretting about the things that we can't. There's so much that we would love to do that we're not able to do because we haven't got the resources, and we can be paralysed by that. But there are a few things that we will be able to do, and we'll be able to do really well because God is with us in those things. That, sisters and brothers, is what we've baptised Eva into. That's what we want to see for her as she grows up to become the woman of faith that we pray for her. That's the call on our lives, to live faithfully and confidently and joyfully in response to what we know to be true. To faithfully, confidently, joyfully live as good news, sharing good news, being good news to the people we live amongst. A man called Tom Wright talks about us being together a community of faith, hope and love so that people experience those things when they come into our midst. And I want to add to Tom's list a community of welcome and acceptance and forgiveness and grace. Because those things are irresistible. We call to be people who show what all of that means lived out in God's world. We live like that. And then we pray and we wait with eager expectation to see what God might do, even here.
even, leaving, even using people like Matt and you and me. Up for that? Because if you're not, you're in the wrong church. Well, why don't we stand where, where we are and let's do just that. Let's pray and um, let's wait.